Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. It had been a while that since we've done a request, so we put a few of the requests that have come in uh, to our patrons. And the request that they voted on was 1988's Maniac Cop out of uh, the three that I presented. And honestly, this is a movie that I'm very familiar with, although I had never really seen. I know I had seen bits and pieces and snippets here and there. Because in the 90s, when I was watching cable and television and stuff like that, this seemed to be on a lot. Like, like it was on cable a lot, I know. And I think even on network television, it appeared many times. I'm not quite sure why, but it was just such a staple of network television and cable, late night kind of horror movie, that I caught bits and pieces of it here and there. But I never sat down and watched the whole movie. And um, as an adult and later on had learned that, you know, it, it was a bit of a fan favorite. It had a cult following. It spawned two sequels. And so, uh, yeah, it was a request. And we put it up uh, against a couple other ones. And our patrons chose this one for us to do this week. And so this is what we were doing. However, having seen a few clips here and there, not remembering a bit of it, but, re- but it was always a part of my consciousness. This is the first time I ever actually sat down and watched the whole movie. So, uh, yeah, that's my history with Maniac Cop. How about you, Craig? Pretty much the same. I feel like everything I say, I've said so many times, people are get irritated. But this this feels like one of those movies, like, how have I not seen this? Uh, right. I've, <laughs> I've, I've been aware of it since I was a kid. Uh, and, I don't know, the, the box art and the video store was kind of compelling, you know? Like, yeah, <laughs> scary cop always there. <laughs> I don't know. I just... I. Never picked it up, I guess. Or if I did, I don't remember. And I think that maybe is a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would not doubt that one bit. Because <laughs> to be honest with you, when you uh, put up that request, like I was rooting for Maniac Cop. I'm like, come on, Maniac Cop, you got this. <laughs> Let's see it. It won by a slight margin. Slim margin, And I yeah. was glad because, you know, I haven't seen it. And I thought, well, finally, I'll, I'll get to see it. And it was disappointing. <laughs> uh, it was? Boy. But let me tell you something. And I think only because we've been doing this for so long and we're so steep now in the history of these movies and we see actors who resurface and writers and producers and things who sort of resurface that for me this was a bit of comfort food like the enjoyment that i got out of this movie wasn't about the plot and stuff because it's lame it's lame like you said it's it's not a very good movie it's not oh i mean we've seen way worse acted oh, films yeah, than no, this it's and not, yeah it's honestly the acting is fine and and even to be honest, like the plotting and all that, uh, one thing I really appreciated about it was it jumped right in and it kept moving. I don't think it was ever boring. I don't know if it was just the mood I was in or whatever, but I it, I did start to feel a little long. Like I was kind of checking the clock at about one ten, and I was like, oh, shit, there are 20 more minutes. <laughs> but... But aside from that, like I felt like it really moved and it was uh, compelling enough for what it is. But more than anything else, I was excited about the pedigree. Like when I looked into it, of course, when I was a kid, I didn't know this stuff. But the director of this movie is William Lustig. And you have to imagine the reason that it's called Maniac Cop is that he wrote and directed and produced one of the our classic grindhouse horror films maniac you know which was remade in the 2000s i suppose and that's one that we haven't even done yet and i i think we need to soon and then we did another one that that he directed more recently called uncle sam which was another direct-to-video thing and look i mean william lustig is clearly not the world's best director (laughs) no but when i saw that when i saw that he had done uncle sam i was excited because i thought that movie was fun (laughs) yeah it was fun and i know i interrupted your train of thought i'll let you get back to it i just you said you didn't think it was boring i did it's not like things weren't happening i just didn't care like yeah up until the last i don't know 15 20 minutes when things just went kind of bonkers then that was fun but uh, yeah, anyway, I knew you would be excited about all this because you know, William <laughs> and that's that's great. It, it is interesting, and you're right. We've all of these names: uh, William Lustig, oh Larry Cohen, Bruce Campbell, Tom Atkins, Ramy Sam Ramy. He's a in cameo. it. I wasn't expecting that either. 
I was blown right. away when that happened. So I, I totally agree with you on that front. And I want you to talk more about Larry Cohen, because though I know we've talked about all these people a bazillion times, I get confused because there are so many of them. <sighs> what saved it for me was that it was a fun game of, wait, who's that? Wait, who's that? Yes, Because yes. almost every actor you see in this movie you recognize from something. That was exciting. It's not like they're big stars or anything. They're just these actors that you recognize from something. And so <laughs> if you're a big nerd and you, you know, go to IMDb immediately, uh, you know, it's a fun little treasure hunt. Oh, yeah, that's what she's from. The Golden Girls. <laughs> it's fun. Agreed. Yeah, so, so it was fun on that front. But anyway, back back to your lesson. What? <laughs> Is this really all? <laughs> Sorry, up to me? teacher. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, teacher. No. I don't. I don't know how to feel about this. But uh, anyway, I'll go ahead. <laughs> you know, am I the stiff guy? Are you the crazy, fun, loony dude, and I'm the stiff professor, professorial type? No, that... no, no, no. I do this. I I do this. <laughs> no, I do this all the time. I go. I like you know give my little lectures about things. This is your wheelhouse, and and they get lazy. This is no, what I this love. Is your, this is your wheelhouse, and I'm gen- I, I'm genuinely interested. I'm just giving you shit. You're right. Okay, so we've done a lot of Larry Cohen stuff. You want to talk about Larry Cohen? Let's talk about him. I do. I remind me. He's been writing for television and movies since like the 1950s. Okay, he wrote like and directed like black exploitation movies, big ones like Black Caesar in like the 70s. He did one that I is he the trauma guy. Like no he, no 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 who's that no, that's that's Kaufman Lloyd Kaufman this oh is not okay him. yep I'm getting them mixed up go ahead Larry Cohen is way more respected in Hollywood even though he never really got out of like independent sort of exploitation films like he he doctored even more movies than he was ever credited for because he's just this super prolific writer who just high concept guy we did it lives the oh, one about yeah. the the baby right yeah we did the stuff. Right about the stuff okay, you eat. Okay. He did that. He wrote the sequel to Salem's Lot, a return to Salem's Lot. Cue the Winged Serpent, which has been requested many a time, but we haven't done yet, but we absolutely will. Um, that has a bit of a cult following. All three Maniac Cop movies, because this spurned uh-huh. like two or three others. He actually did write Uncle Sam that we were talking about, and even more recently, <laughs> Cellular Phone Booth. Okay, okay. Phone booth, I saw, yeah. Yeah, he's done a lot of these movies. He's directed a lot of movies. He's written a lot of movies. He died several years ago. Was just kind of, just seemed to be a cool guy. Well-respected as a writer. Again, called in to doctor major Hollywood scripts that he never got credited for and things like that. Just, I I watched a documentary about the guy once because I was so fascinated because I'm like, this guy's name keeps popping up and in all these quirky interesting movies he just seemed like a really cool guy was his head was just full of ideas and he just spent his life putting them on paper and most of these were not big hollywood blockbusters but honestly all of them are sort of high concept and one of the things that he was kind of known for doing is taking an interesting idea you know like wouldn't it be interesting if blah 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 Mm -hmm. and a lot of his movies have the social commentary in them so like you know we talked about the stuff it was very much about 80s consumerism and uh it lives had a lot of like stuff about like abortion and women's rights and things like that in it interestingly enough and i'm definitely giving the movie way more credit than it deserves but it was kind of interesting in maniac cop to see a little bit of um again I'm not crediting Larry Cohen with any kind of like crazy ass foresight, but nowadays watching this movie about a cop that's kind of renegade and on the loose and seeing clips in the movie where, you know, people are being interviewed on TV about how now they're like afraid of cops and distrustful of cops and like some black characters in the movie talking about (laughs) how, yeah, my friends are like targeted by the police and all that. So this is nothing new. Like it was interesting how prescient some of that felt in, you know, I was just going to say the same thing, like all of the people talking about how they're scared of this maniac cop or whatever. But then the one black guy is like, yeah, cops been beating people up all my life. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> right. All <laughs> my friends get harassed by the cops all day long. Like my buddy was to me, shot. It's more like, oh, God, it sucks that that's not changed. Like, yeah. <laughs> n- not not that he was foreseeing a problem that would happen, but a problem that we've clearly had since probably well before 1988 and continue to. But God, 
Let's give him some credit for sticking that in the movie. That yeah, was really it. impressive that that bit was in there. Honestly, I, I don't even think it was a cheap shot for its time. I feel like it, it, it was it was rather progressive and, and impressive that he got that in there. You will. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I'm I, I'm all for it. Like, yes, draw attention to these. But it, it felt it was highly reminiscent of Uncle Sam, where you've got, like, this fun, campy movie, and then... Now we are going to hit you with this really heavy-headed scene for the next five <laughs> minutes. Do you remember in that movie, yeah, like the the, the black veteran sat the main character down and had like a very serious Long conversation? Monologue. Yeah, that's what this moment felt like. Like, okay, hold on from the crazy for a second. Here is a very serious message. All right, back <laughs> <to you. laughs> right, right. And now, and now we return you to your <laughs> to your regularly scheduled exploitation flick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's but true. No, I, but, I, I agree with you. I think that's cool. I, th- I think that it's cool that he uh, incorporates those things into his movies. And it did. It drew my attention. I was like, wow. <laughs> a little commentary on police brutality here. Right? And this stuff was like 100% that almost. So like that was like the best example, I suppose, right? Like the stuff was just... 100% about 80s consumerism, and it was just sort yeah. of chock full of it. And and we dug that. And movie. I liked it. It was fun, yeah. Yeah. So so you got Larry Cohen, and you got William Lustig directing. Then you have Tom Atkins as a police officer, a police detective or whatever, who was with us for half the movie. And then it sort of feels like there's a little overlap. It's like we can only afford Tom Atkins for like, you know, about 40 minutes. And then around the time he dies off, we get very young Bruce Campbell, who was with us for the rest of the movie, which I loved. (laughs) And then Richard Roundtree (laughs) is in here as Commissioner Pike, the police commissioner. And it's a smaller-ish role, but freaking Shaft is in this movie. Like, (laughs) that was fun. It's so crazy that a movie like this would be peppered with these folks. And then, again, later on, Sam Raimi comes in, and uh, I wasn't expecting it, and he's on the screen, and he's, he's a news reporter, and I was like, yes, this is fantastic. And later on, I mean, we'll talk about a few more cameos, I think, as we talk about the movie, but uh, it just, the whole thing reminded me about something that we talked about when we did Intruder, when we talked about Evil Dead 2, and uh, when we talked about Blood Rage, and all of these movies that kind of happened around this time period. Well, this is 88, so it's a little later in that yeah, time period, but right, still... Yeah almost seemed like this mini community Uh of independent horror filmmakers in each other's movies and just kind of helping each other out and like oh like i'll cast you in this and i'm gonna write this and so because i'm writing this like i'll put you in it because i usually do that and then i'm gonna direct this but i'm a director but i also act on the side and i'm gonna have like a cameo role in this thing all before half of these people were wildly famous sounds just blissful like college you know (laughs) like filmmaking college all these guys are just helping each other out and being each other's movies and they're all equally kind of silly and but they're fun and reaching people and we're talking about them here in in 2023. So, it was so cool to see this and for me this was the fun of the film and of course the campiness of it. I, I agree with you. I think no, I think that's super fun too. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, there's a group of them now. Like like um you're next and right. uh is it Wingard I think is one of them. Wingard and, and uh um, West and It's like the modern version of that. I yeah, I can't think of the the woman's name. There's a female director she was in your next she she played the youngest daughter uh, anyway so it's yeah i like that stuff too i like when you can get a sense of community in in the filmmakers and that's like half of this but then as i kind of already mentioned the other half are all of these like really old school actors yeah and when i say old school like at this point in 1988 they're in their twilight years um and and you look them up on imdb and they've been acting since like the 40s right so, like their, their imdb <laughs> picks are like these black and white old school hollywood shots and, like it's wild and and like i said they're not necessarily anybody that uh, was a, a huge star but you recognize them um from things and i found all that interesting Freaking Buck Flowers had a small Buck Flowers. <laughs> he was, in, was, was he was in the the police brutality PSA, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was. It was so cute. I know, and it was it was blink and you miss it too. But you hear that voice, yeah, you, it warms your heart. 
<laughs> it really oh, does. God, man. All right. So I guess, like, uh, that's the thing. To talk about the plot, like, there's... Uh, First of all, there's really nothing to it. Second of all, too. like when you get into it's the weeds of it, it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. But, if, but, but it's... <laughs> at least it jumps all, right into it without any ex- exposition. Well, you know? I, I guess there's like five minutes of a cop getting dressed in, in close-up. The credits. and Right, and they, and they tell us he puts on a jig. <laughs> he puts on a name tag. So we know, <laughs> you know who it is. is. <laughs> no secret there. It doesn't even matter. No, it doesn't matter because no. it's dumb. And then there's a big shot of the Twin Towers, which is always kind of a weird, surreal thing. Because this is supposed to take place in New York, even though they only shot there for, what, like three days? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then shot the rest of it in Los Angeles, and, and you can kind of It sure tell. feels like they're in New York, though. They faked it well. I thought it was uh, they, I felt like they tried harder in the beginning, and then by the end, they were like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, palm trees. Like, I don't remember. I don't, I don't, I don't think there are palm trees in new york but what do i know <laughs> True. yeah so okay so it gets right to the action like there's this tense chase scene where this woman is being relentlessly chased by these two muggers on a new york city street without with no other people in sight like right there's one guy that like looks up from taking out his garbage now i've never been to new york but i can't imagine that it's Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the streets of New York go quiet at night, for all I know. But she right. runs for, like, blocks and blocks and sees nobody. Like, I thought New York was one of the most populated cities in the world. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, they chase her for, like, they really want her purse. Bad. I, I guess if she's the only <laughs> woman on the street. She must be. There, you know. They got nobody else. It's, it's They chase her forever. <laughs> and eventually she runs up to this huge cop who we only see in silhouette. We don't see his face until the very end, um, but he's enormous, and he picks her up by the head and breaks her neck. Oh, God. And then <laughs> and, and then Frank and then Frank McRae, detective, detective, <laughs> lieutenant, I don't know. Sub- I love that name. S- suited cop, Frank McRae. If I were to ever write a police procedural, Frank McRae would be at the top of my name list for the police detective. And Tom Atkins, I didn't even bother to look up because I was like, oh, that guy that's in everything. Can yeah. do, do you have like a point of reference for him? I don't know. He's been <laughs> in everything. Do been I know everything. what Tom Atkins has been in? If, he has got like 82 credits to his name. And, and he always plays the same character, it seems like. He does. Some I version mean, of this character. I would love this guy's career. You know, he's been around since the 60s and mostly on television. But, you know, for horror fans, he was in The Fog. Uh, he was in Escape yeah. from New York. It seems like he played a lot of stuff. We just did Creep Show recently, and he was the father uh, in Creep Show, the angry father. And then Halloween three. Oh right, yeah, yeah Night of the right. Creeps. And then you know he's in like Lethal Weapon, just a just a year before this movie. Very recognizable. <laughs> he's on the case because they think the <laughs> muggers killed that girl, but he's like, do you see the size of those? <laughs> What does he say? Uh, what is? What's the technical? What's the tech? You see the size of those hematomas? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! You think either of those guys could have done that? It's just weird how, and I, I don't even know how he suddenly jumps to the conclusion that it was a cop that killed her. I don't either, but he is confident about it from the beginning. I mean, he's right. He's right, but he immediately knows. It's super convenient that this guy who, uh, you know, in the first five minutes of the movie is on the case and knows exactly what's going on. Now it's just about him trying to convince everybody else with very yeah. little detective work involved. <laughs> and and in trying to convince, who's he talking to? He's talking to the commissioner or the mayor mm-hmm. or somebody, I don't know, and he's trying. He's like, uh, it's, it's, it's one of us for sure. I just know it. So mm. uh, we should look into their files and see if they've, you know, uh, had any violent incidents or tried to kill themselves? <laughs> the guy's like, uh, didn't you try to kill yourself? <laughs> I didn't even understand this stupid. No, guy. he was like, and, didn't and, you have an incident too? Yeah, where he killed somebody, right? Was weren't they talking about? No, I kill- think he was trying to kill. He was trying to trying to kill himself. Oh, because okay. his his partner died. I assume his partner died in the line of duty. I don't know, but uh, I don't know. All I remember, it was very confusing to me because the only thing that he would say about it was the gun went off. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, that tends to happen when you pull the trigger. Like, what? Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand off. the context. What does that mean? And and what do, it doesn't make any difference. Like, no, this never comes matter. up again. There's no characterization. This, We're not going to get deep into this guy's character. Anybody is. No, no. And this movie is it's stupid um, because like the the main like it will just cut back and forth like okay the police let's talk for a little while okay back to the maniac cop killing a rando okay uh, and, and again you never see him all you see that he's enormous and he has the biggest jawline oh yeah insane jawline did you look this guy up on IMDB by the way Robert Dazar. Yeah, I saw he uh, holy I think he shit was a Bond villain maybe at one point he's done a lot of stuff I thought for sure like half of his stuff was prosthetic and it's like nope all they had to do was put a couple boils on his face and it's him. He has an insane wide face with the deep jawline and stuff. He was in 124 movies and I'm sure always bad guy. Well, you know, yeah, he's huge. He was all over television. He's huge. He's got this huge jawline, this wide face like honestly weird looking dude. Dude ha- was in an episode of Growing Pains. I'm sure it was an episode of Growing Pains where somebody broke into the house or something because I, <laughs> I can't imagine anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like We only ever see him like like lit from behind. You, you never really see his face. I mean, you can't you can't miss. Yeah. Like his silhouette is is huge and, it's and striking. bizarre. But, yeah. Right. But he just like he just kills people like he and you you said a huge knife he does like in his nightstick uh, there's like a concealed twelve inch knife that he cuts people with but like he pulls some dude out of his car and kills him and then he chases he handcuffs some guy and chases him down the street and drowns him in cement I guess there's like something. three killings in like the first 10 minutes just random killings in the first 10 minutes yeah I thought that was cool that bit where he buried some dude's face in wet cement and then it's I guess the the cement dried really quickly the next morning they're using pile drivers to like break it apart yeah. to get him out it was, it was that was cute. funny <laughs> I like that uh, yeah it was kind of cute but like that the aftermath like them like jackhammering to try to get his body out that was funny but really like the, the kills are nothing they're nothing special at all they're not, they're not. They're not exciting. They don't look good. Like, you don't see very much. I don't know. I thought they were rather brutal. I mean, if you cared about these characters, that's the problem, right? These are just randos that you met like 10 seconds before. So you yeah. don't really care. So you're not invested. If you were invested, honestly, I think these were shot quite well. The editing is tight. The You know, they're going for suspense and all that stuff. It, it's sort of like the Roger Corman quota of, kill. you know, we need to have uh, yeah. boobs within the first 10 minutes and, and, you know, three people killed before five minutes is up. You know, that kind of thing. Well, they need, they need to establish really quickly that this guy is super dangerous and he's just killing people at random because then they have to get, you know, the whole town all worked up. But, it, God, there's so so many hilarious things to me. Like, McCray thinks it's a cop, but the commissioner's like, no, 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 we gotta keep this between us. So, he immediately runs to a reporter <laughs> who I guess he knows, right. like this sexy woman reporter, and he's like, they, they said we have to keep it under wraps, so I want you to report it on the news tomorrow night. Right. And so then you hear her reporting it, she's like, an anonymous source tells us that we will, there's a crazy cop on the loose, and uh, everybody needs to be terrified of cops and they're like that anonymous source told us that tomorrow we'll be speaking with detective frank mccray who has inside information (laughs) what (laughs) (laughs) honestly this makes very little sense the motivations of, of him to expose it like all this stuff none of it makes sense it's just total hollywood stuff now i have to ask you because i know we independently watch these movies did the version that you watched have scenes with the mayor in it i don't know I don't I don't think so. Was there a moment in the film where suddenly the film quality got really really weird, like completely different and there are these shots with the mayor? No, I, I saw a cigarette burn uh at one point, but that was really quick. I think the version that I saw had obviously previously deleted scenes edited in. There was a whole character in this movie that I think was cut out of the final product. There was a mayor named Jerry. I don't know, there are like five separate 
short scenes peppered throughout the film where as I was watching it was like the film quality went completely shitty and it's uh, the mayor talking about oh my god there's this guy like you know he's killing people we gotta keep it under wraps and then oh my god this guy's killing people and I think I might know who it is and he might have a thing against me and then you know his advisors are like oh my god this guy he's still killing people you're in danger and all that and he's like oh well I had this thing against him and that's probably why and then it comes in at the end so you didn't see any of that I don't think so. I, I honestly don't remember. Like, you would remember. Yeah, I definitely didn't. The version I saw definitely didn't have scenes that were obviously lower film quality. So I, I it must have been. Uh, I, I streamed it on Peacock in case anybody's curious. <laughs> Once everybody's all scared of the cops, then some woman has car trouble and a cop comes to help her and she blows his head off. Right. Like, this is such a <laughs> wild movie. It's, it's crazy. So weird. Then there's the... Bruce Campbell side plot. And I didn't know that he was in this until I looked, you know, I usually pull up the IMDb page just to have the cast. I want to, you know, I want to be able to write down who each character is or whatever. Um, and I was like, oh, Bruce Campbell's in this. And he's like almost top build. He has an integral part, but yeah, he doesn't get to do anything fun in Bruce Campbell-y. Like, uh, no. he's just kind of a lame duck character. Basically. He said he took the movie because he needed work. He said at the time he thought there was something to it. But obviously, in retrospect, he said, no, it's it's definitely not a good film. But it's weird to think. I mean, this is early Bruce Campbell, because at this time when he took this and he said he needed work, I believe he had just gotten off of Evil Dead, too. So we're talking we're talking Evil Dead. You know, his first big movie. He probably didn't make any money on that, though. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you know, that was 1981. Well, that was 81. This is 88. He was in, like, Crime Wave, which Sam Raimi directed. But then they did Evil Dead 2 in 87. So the 87, the year before this was Evil Dead 2, it it might have barely been out. And it I don't think it was a huge, like, box office smash. No. You know? And so he did Maniac Cop the year after this, and then he had a very small bit part in Intruder the year after this in 89. So this is the early point of uh, of Bruce Campbell's career before he did Army of Darkness in like 92. And then he was, you know, subsequently like on television, he did Briscoe County Jr. in 93 and stuff like that. So obviously by that point, he didn't need work. But uh, at this point, right. yeah, he's still starting out and he needed work. And he just said, oh, I took this movie. At the time, I thought it might be interesting. But like once I saw it, I was like, oh, God, that was horrible. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he and he's fine, and he's young and handsome, and um, he looks great he, in this. Yeah, he does, and and uh, he has a really like. I mean, it's one of his trademark things. He's got a really distinctive jawline too. Like I read that him and uh, Robert Zadar uh, both have the nickname the Chin. So it makes sense. Like um, this guy, Robert Zadar, the maniac cop, whose name, by the way. <laughs> is Matt Cordell. And I had already been um, abbreviating in my notes Maniac Cop MC. And then when I realized his name was Matt Cordell, I'm like, that is so charming. Wow. <laughs> good. I didn't catch Hilarious. that. Hilarious. Um, but they, they both share the nickname The Chin, which makes sense because Bruce oh, Campbell yeah. is not an enormous person, but he's really tall. Like, I forget how tall he is. Yeah. And he... Uh, has a wife, but he's having an affair. Clear something up for me. In that first scene where we meet him and he's getting, he's putting on his uniform and his wife is like, I don't know. There's obviously acting tension weird. in their marriage and she's yeah. acting weird. Was there not a baby crying in the background of that scene? Oh, I didn't hear that at all. Oh my God. I swear to God, there was a baby crying. And then. There's never any mention of a baby. Well, I wouldn't <laughs> so doubt maybe... it. I wouldn't doubt it. I, I mean, you know, I wouldn't put it past this movie to sort of stick that in and then forget about it. Like, this wife <laughs> character is so ridiculous. We're introduced to Bruce Campbell. She's in the kitchen clipping articles about this killer for reasons I have no idea and putting them in She some thinks kind it's of him. She thinks it's him. Yeah, why would she be clipping them and putting them in a scrapbook? I have no idea. Anyway... <laughs> And they're having this, again, I love Larry Cohen because I love what he has made and I enjoy watching his movies. And he's a high concept writer and he's good at plotting. But 
honestly, like the dialogue in a, a lot of the stuff we've seen of him is laughable and silly. And the dialogue in this is just over the top melodrama between the two of them that were thrown into. And it's just silly. You used to talk to me. Look, you're the one that dropped out of the therapy. I was willing to go and I was willing to pay the bills. So it's all my fault now, is it? I did everything I could to hold this marriage together. You talk like it's already over. Yeah, well, it's not enough to talk. You have to listen, too. I suppose that's why you're taking so much overtime, to get away from me. Unless it's something else. What's that supposed to mean? Sometimes you wake up screaming like you can't breathe. Sometimes I get afraid that you might hurt me in your sleep. He's like the picture of calm, you know, business-like getting ready for his day. And she feels, she looks like she's on the verge of suicide. Yes. You know, the way she's just super distraught and, and he's quite dismissive. And she says she thinks she's hearing things. I mean, there are these things that you sort of feel like we're going for character development. Like we're going to see her more and like there's going to be some kind of thing. And, and there's not. It's just we barely see her again after this. He leaves. She follows him. Yeah. To a motel where she catches them this blonde lady but wait a minute before this happens the phone rings right after he leaves and somebody goes he went out again didn't he and she's like why do you keep calling me why do you keep doing this to me (laughs) i'm like okay this is interesting like there's some thread happening here this maniac cop is out there there's this weird shit with the mayor there's this other cop who's obviously their marriage is in turmoil and then this woman his wife is getting these bizarre phone calls that she's apparently been getting for a while and yada 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 so she goes to follow him and she finds out like you said that he's banging some other cop some female cop uh in a motel down the street and then uh she catches him in the act and she holds him at gunpoint you know it's very dramatic she runs away and then she just gets pulled into a car randomly by the maniac cop and the next morning the maid at the hotel comes in and finds her dead in that same room that uh Bruce Campbell's character Jack and that chick uh, Giselle was that her name Giselle whatever I don't know Teresa Teresa. oh Teresa yes we're in so and then that's it so I was like who was calling her like that was a thing that just I mean you got dropped and I have no idea what that shit was about I don't even remember how all of it unfolds I just remember that it's so convoluted so like because his wife gets murdered they think it's him. They think mm-hmm. he's the maniac cop. And they find the wife's murder scrapbook. And, like, in her diary, she writes about how she thinks he's the maniac cop. And so mm-hmm. every everything points to him. He Like, he fits the physical profile, more or less. He's tall and white. and um, So he's basically so he, been framed for all this. Yeah. Right. So then the question, So uh, which, again, McRae just instinctively knows. Like, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, he's, it's not he's, him. Uh, he didn't do it. He it would never. Him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody's framing him. Something weird is going yeah. on. And then I don't need So then he hooks up with like not not figured. Not literally. He meets, up. Right. He meets up with the mistress who is also a cop, an undercover hooker <laughs> Pro- cop. Hooker cop. Oh, my God. <laughs> the 80s. I swear to God. The 80s was all about cocaine and machine guns and undercover yeah. hooker cops. It's like Vice. <laughs> the only thing we cared about was the Vice Squad, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Miami Vice was on TV. There was smoke in every alley. It was beautiful. I kind of missed it. Okay. That. Explain something else to me. When we're when we see her and she's undercover as a hooker, a John pulls up in the car and they have an exchange where he wants to engage her services, but it seems like she needs him to say it. Like, yeah, it it, it can't be uh, you know just insinuated. He has to you know say something incriminating. So she's like digging, and eventually he says hold on a second, are you a cop? And then really coyly, she's like, oh, you get the golden question. Blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> and he's, I don't know, he's like, I'm just going to go home and be by myself. And she's like, well, I can't arrest you for that. And they smile at each other and he drives away. What was that all about? Was the insinuation that because he asked if she was a cop, she had to tell him and... 
that's why she let him go. I think it was just he was too clever for her. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that it's was, entrapment. It so, like, I don't even I, understand how this works in real life. I honestly don't. I don't get it. I don't I, either. I, be, well, like, I remember, I remember hearing in college, like, I don't know, these, like, you know, bad kids that I knew who would, like, buy marijuana from other people. They would be like, if you ask if they're a cop, they have to tell you. I don't think that that's true. No, I don't think that's true at all. No, it's not true at all. <laughs> I think that that is an urban legend. That's but bullshit. This movie seems to insinuate that it's true because when he's like, are you a cop? She's like, oh, you got me, you old dirty charmer, you. Get out of here. Maybe next time. <laughs> anyway, so then she walks down a dark alley by herself and comes into and contact there. with the maniac Which, cop you know it's it's silly right because like he's just sort of randomly for a while he, here's he's this is a guy specifically but this, this is because it's a whole plot it is but but let's be clear like this is a guy with a motivation right yeah he was uh ousted from the police force we'll get to that later but my point is like until it's convenient for the movie to like get to that He's just killing random people. He's not working towards his goal. No, he is. Like, she's not random. He no, she has isn't. Kill... But the, oh, the like, well, yeah. three people we saw him kill before this were just, like, three total randos. Yeah. But he wasn't supposed to kill those people. That was him going rogue. That was not part of the plan, <laughs> which becomes an issue later. <laughs> but he's after her because she's the only one who knows that she's she's... Bruce Campbell's alibi. Right. So he needs to get her out of the way because right. Bruce Campbell She'll... is his scapegoat. Yeah. Right. But but he doesn't. He I don't know, he he picks her up by the neck or something, but uh Frank McCrae is uh right also there. there and they both shoot him multiple times. This makes no sense. Like yeah, they I don't never get it. explain. They never, they never do. because she even says she even says it couldn't have been just a bulletproof vest. I shot him in the face at least twice. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> so, but, but yeah, so but the- bullets don't hurt him yeah. for reasons unexplained. Now, okay, yeah. so here's where it starts to get really convoluted because Frank McRae is talking to her and he's like, you had to have told somebody about the affair. Somebody else had to have known. She's like, no, I didn't tell anybody. Wait! Except for my friend Sally. <laughs> this random except for, woman except at the for police my, Except for my crippled friend Sally <laughs> at the police station. That's hilarious. Okay, so let's go. Let's go talk to. Wait, before <laughs> we talk Sally. to Sally, and I want you to talk about Sally. But before we talk about <laughs> Sally, I have to just, I just have to highlight my favorite line in the whole movie, and I don't know why this just tickled me pink. But he gets injured in this, and he goes to the police report and to the police office, and of course he's going to talk to Sally. He signs in. The police officer sees his hand all bandaged up, and he says, "Hey Frank, what'd you do with your hand?" And he says, "I cut myself shaving." Yeah, that was a good one. There are some other good ones too. That was brilliant. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite ones is later. Oh well, we'll get to it in just a second. So he goes to see. <laughs> Crippled isn't a nice word, but this is a silly movie. So he goes to see Cripple Sally, who <laughs> has a brace on her leg and limps around. And I don't know, like they talk and. Nothing comes of their conversation. Sally, by the way, is played by Cherie North, who one of our patrons alerted me in advance was somebody that I would recognize from the Golden Girls. She played Blanche's sister, Virginia, on the Golden Girls. Oh, nice. Gary, thank you, Gary, for uh, pointing that out. <laughs> I, I did recognize her right away, but I had forgotten about that. And so I, I, I am beat her and, um, she was in, and I was like, oh yeah, she's totally Virginia from the Golden Girls. But she also played Kramer's mom on, on Seinfeld. Oh, no way. She's been acting since she was young and she's done tons and tons of stuff. She's hilarious in this because she's just kind of standoffish with him, but then he follows her and she immediately goes to the docks where she meets with the maniac. It's always cop the docks. I know, and she meets with the maniac (laughs) cop, and she's like, "Uh, you gotta stop killing these 
good people. You're only supposed to kill bad people. I, like the mayor and the commissioner and the people you have a problem with. Yeah, like yeah. we gotta we gotta stick to the plan so you can get to the yeah. Like he's got this vendetta. Oh, okay. First, so okay, so so McCray is following them, and he like. <laughs> kicks a paint can or something so she doesn't see him but she shoots blindly into the night um, but he gets away and he he's walking off of the docks and like the dock guard oh, i'm so glad you're is... gonna point this line out yeah, I, had, like, hey, I had it you... written down too hey you what are you doing oh take it easy what are you doing i gotta take a leak you always take a leak with a gun in your hand it's a good way to blow your balls off <laughs> Uh, the writing is so funny, and Mc- and McCray says something like, "Oh, the city's going to hell. You can't take a leak anywhere anymore." Like, oh boy, oh boy. And then, okay, so then Maniac Cop takes a nap on the dock, and we get to see a flashback where, yeah. okay, so I guess I guess he was a cop, and he was really celebrated because he was really ruthless, and he took down all these bad people until I don't know something happened. And yes, do, that's do we unclear. Know what happened? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what we know because I think it was cut out. So, like the bits and pieces with the mayor that I saw that you didn't see insinuate that he was really too good. He was like a super cop, and he was involved in like taking down the mob. But if you know anything about New York City in like the eighties and seventies, like the mob basically ruled the city, and and they had their feelers and everything and the insinuation here is that I was too close to the mayor who also like I guess had a relationship with the mob and so oh, the mayor himself the mayor was, dirty. Okay. was dirty and so yeah he was kind of like okay that's too far and I'm going to protect the mob people and so he kind of sort of had him put away yeah I felt like it, the, in the version that I saw, it was just kind of implied that he was too rough or too violent. Like um, oh. he was getting bad guys, but it was kind of like vigilante style. Mm. Uh, and and so not only was he kicked off the police force, but he was put in prison. <laughs> <laughs> like <what>? where? <laughs> well, okay, so he does this long walk down. The pri- like, it, it, I mean, you see this in the movie all the time, where they bring in the newbie, and all the other prisoners are licking their lips and whatever. sneering at him. Yeah, Todd, I have seen, I have seen this uh, scene in so many movies, mm. and usually it's like really scary, like oh, these people uh, want to kill me. I swear to God, the look that all of these those guys wanted to f- him. <laughs> every single one every of them single was one looking of them. at him like oh Probably. man gonna get me a piece of that it well, was that's legit. crazy yeah it's true because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what happens he's attacked I've in never the shower seen that. yeah he gets attacked in the shower and he fights them naked like they of course you never he see kicks any their nudity, asses but... big time yeah oh boy but they 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 shank him <laughs> they yeah. shake him a bunch of times they and they do. cut up his face. Now, this goes on for a while. Like, all of this, like, unspools over time. Meanwhile, Bruce Campbell is in jail and the cops are trying to get him out. McCray and the, the lady cop are trying to get him out. Frank and is to coming in. Yep. But eventually, we find out. God. Oh, well, there's a slaughter. Frank. Okay. There's a whole slaughter at the police precinct yeah it just suddenly escalates yeah frank goes to the computer he runs through that chick's purse he sees a glove i guess that is meaningful to him i mean it's meaningful to us because we saw the cop wearing gloves but i don't know why it would be meaningful to him she jumps behind him and starts beating him down with her cane runs out of the hallway but screams because there's another cop hanging there dead and then maniac cop breaks through a like a window and a door and pulls her through and then starts banging her against the wall (laughs) That was hilarious, by the way. That was crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's this old lady in a leg brace, and he's just slamming her against against the wall. Frank's shooting at her. Then he starts grabbing Frank and throwing him around. He, He slams Frank against every filing cabinet in the entire room, of which there are many. And then he throws him out the window. Yeah, throws him out the window. So he's dead. I was surprised. I thought he would. Yeah, he could. He kind of seems to be the main the character. <laughs> yeah. That would. By the way, that was a nice stunt. That was really cool. I mean, this is the era where stunts were real, and yeah, he falls down from a, a significant height. There are multiple shots on this, and he lands on the car. I was like, that is really impressive. I I really it did look that. good. 
Yeah. Well, the the maniac cops slaughters Sally. I don't understand why, because we find out that they had a relationship later. Yeah. And he kills, I, I don't know, a dozen police officers. No, the entire it, police, <laughs> the entire the station is gone. Like uh, like Jack and, uh, what's her name, Teresa or Teresa? Teresa. 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 Yeah. They run out th- just past body after body. Like the whole, he's killed everyone in the station. And then he just sort of, Jack runs off and. Well, and somehow, somehow or other, they have found out who this guy is, the Matt or whatever is it? Yeah, <laughs> What's his name? Matt Cordell. They found out who it is, but he's supposed to be dead. Like he was supposed to have died from that incident. And but they're like, let's. We need to drive to the prison to find out if there's some way that he could still be alive. <laughs> right, right. And and by the way, at this point in the version I saw, there was a scene between the mayor and like his lackey or whatever. And the mayor was drinking scotch in his office and freaking out. And he was like, he won't be satisfied until he's got me. And then we get some voiceover and some really nice helicopter shots. Like you said, they decide they're going to the prison. And so this is some more establishing shots of like, hey, we're still in New York. <laughs> of, of like them on the metro train heading to the prison. And they go into the prison and they've got to prove that Cordell is still alive or he's in trouble. I, I don't know. It's like. Weird. So they meet with the prison doctor. So dumb. Yes. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's like, then he tells, I don't know, he's like, oh, yeah, uh, when he was on the table, like, dead, covered in a sheet, completely saturated with blood, um, the doctor just casually hears that his heart is still beating once every starts feeling seconds. his pulse yeah putting his thing on it's like a whole flashback sequence so stupid and so uh apparently what he did god it's so convoluted the reason the reason that sally okay so when the maniac cop went to prison sally tried to kill herself that's why she's kept crippled now because right. she threw herself threw out of herself window. out of window what <laughs> what okay so but 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 when this doctor at the prison finds out that the cop's not dead he's like i can't put him back in prison they they'll just they'll they'll kill him for real they'll just kill him again um so (laughs) so he calls sally um and apparently sally comes and gets him and and they're like are you kidding you just let him go and he's like uh He's like brain dead. <laughs> he can't function as a person. Oh, okay. He says, "I was telling the truth when I signed that death certificate." Yeah, he was brain dead, so there was ba- no way he could function as human being. Like, what kind of doctor would say somebody is literally dead when they're actually still alive? It's a really stupid shit. movie yeah. doctor. <laughs> <It's dumb. laughs> so they know they know who he is. They. I mean, who cares at this point? Well, he had sympathy. He was like, oh, but the system screwed him and blah, blah, blah. So I had to kind of let him go and yada, yada, yada. And then after Jack and Therese leave, a random orderly or somebody walks in and says, here, doctor, put on this tie. It's like a green tie. She says, he's like, oh, oh. she's like, you know, it's St. <laughs> Patrick's Day, right? <laughs> That was hilarious. That was the because funniest. then the plot then the plot immediately centers around St. Patrick's Day. That was so funny. It was so funny. So and, good. Oh God, I can't talk enough about this the, the clunky transition to somehow St. Patrick's Day. So apparently, so then suddenly it's a St. Patrick's Day parade, and we get footage of the St. Patrick's Day parade in New York City, and Sam Raimi as a reporter. And that I was so thrilled because I looked at him and I immediately I was like, oh, my God, Sam Raimi reporting on the St. Patrick's Day parade. And apparently Sam Raimi shot this footage of the St. Patrick's Day parade before they even started filming this. Uh Some of it, uh, I guess they used it to like even get funding for the movie so that they could just stick this in. And then from then on, every time we get a shot of someone's office, like the police commissioner or whatever, they have St. Patrick's Day decorations in there. Like who? decorates their office for St. Patrick's Day by putting up random green banners and sticking some shamrocks on their desk and on the walls and blowing up balloons and putting them by the window. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was funny. It was really funny, and it was all just so that they could have, you know, 
some cool footage of the parade. Oh <laughs> and my it was, god! It was cool and it was funny, but I guess it adds production value, right? Right. It does. Oh. It does, and it it. it Honest to God, does it add production value for to this sure. pretty crappy movie? But for whatever reason, uh, Therese and Jack go back to the police station. But, like- but let me tell you again: in the version I saw, there was another scene in here with the mayor, and there's a guy who jumps into the mayor's office. And it's like, man, you got to come down to the parade. You said you would make an appearance. You need to make an appearance. And he's like, "There's no way I'm not safe. I'm staying here. I'm going to stay here in my office, and I want the security around me doubled." Well, that's so weird because I, she goes in there, I guess, to tell. Tell them what they've figured out, but they don't believe her. They think that mm. she's just his accomplice. Well, they accomplice. think it's Jack. Yeah. And she's his accomplice. Right. And But then, who? because there's there's Shaft, and then there's a white guy. Uh-huh. The police chief or whatever, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't think I ever saw the mayor, because they walk away, no, but never Maniac did. Cop Maniac Cop just comes up behind them and, and slaughters them. Mm-hmm. And then the the cop that they left with what's her butt, he like hits on her for a while, which was weird, and then handcuffs himself to her, and so the maniac cop kills him, and she has to drag him around. That was hilarious. Let's be fair. This was a cool scene. Like I loved that bit where they were walking to the elevator, the door closes, but there's kind of a window in the doors. You see a, a hand with a knife come through, the maniac cop kills them. Like I thought that from a filmmaking perspective, this was really good it's it felt giallo yeah i liked it i really liked it it was fine i mean it was one shot for like one second (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna give it that much credit well she's handcuffed to this guy and she's trying to get through the door but like he's a burden and so like they're kind of stuck and you don't know where he is and you you know she covered in blood and and stuff i don't know I, i i thought it was honestly i thought that whenever there was like a murder scene or wherever there was like, uh, you know, like action or whatever that it was well filmed. I was impressed that freaking William Lustig did this movie, to be honest. I didn't think it looked bad. I thought it looked fine. I, I thought it looked I, better anything. than fine. I thought it was good. I mean, uh, look, I mean, okay. the, the movie's silly, but the cinematography and the staging of these scenes was skillful, I thought. Anyway. Well, you are more technically knowledgeable about that stuff than i am but god it's so dumb uh bruce campbell comes in to save her i guess well she tosses a chair out the window she's like climbing on the ledge and stuff like this was kind of exciting i like this bit it was all right (laughs) look i'm just trying to get my nuggets where i could get them (laughs) yeah well my favorite he comes in to save her and i think like you know a a bunch of people are dead and the cops still think that he did it but Two cops like run yes. in, and he's like, he's like, "Hey, put your guns down." Uh, I didn't do it. I didn't do any of this. And they're like, "Oh yeah, sure." And he's like, "Hey, put your guns down." And they do. And he's like, "Get on the ground." And and they do. And then he and Therese run away. And one of the cops says, "Hey, man, are we gonna go after him?" And the other cop says, "You heard him. He didn't do it." <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was hilarious. That was so, hey, hilarious. man, we're gonna go after him. <laughs> That was brilliant writing. No, I I give Larry Cohen full credit for that. Just like, you know, my favorite line earlier (laughs) about cutting yourself shaving. I laughed so hard at that. It was funny. But then oh, they spring God. out, right? And they're the police. Uh, this I, police I'm, officer... I'm mixing things up. That was earlier. Like I'm. Uh, no, you're, you're right. right. That was no, because this time she goes out the window, and you're like right. the maniac cop is like pursuing her outside the window. But then we cut down to Jack, who is still outside, and the uh, the cops at the parade recognize See him. him. And isn't that Forrest? Let's get him. Yeah, and they grab him and they throw him in the paddy but wagon. Did you? But did you recognize one of those guys? Uh, no, I don't think so. The The lead of those two, the one who had lines, who was like, isn't that Forrest? Let's get him. I was like, holy shit, that is the dude from Intruder. Oh, no. He was the guy, right? Remember? I just love this store. Oh. <laughs> the, the bad I guy. that guy. Yeah. yeah he's in, he was in several of Sam Raimi's them. movies. He was in Darkman, and he was the, um, do you remember in Evil Dead 2, the... The kind of hillbilly type uh, yeah. redneck guy uh-huh. who came up—that was him. Oh, funny! No, I didn't recognize him. Throw they throw Jack in the paddy wagon, and then the maniac cop who was just upstairs is now down there in the paddy wagon. He commandeers it and drives it away. <laughs> and God, I don't even know. Like this Teresa, was fun. 
Well, I love there's this like bit. a chase. Teresa and some rando cop, like she hooks up with some rando cop. Yeah, she just hops into his car and they drive off chasing this guy. And I thought this was a nice chase scene. Honestly, it was really it was well fine. filmed. It was great. But the hilarious bit is, meanwhile, in the back, Bruce Campbell is getting absolutely bashed up. He's like, every time this this van turns from side to side, like he's handcuffed in the back of this thing. He's the only one back there in this big, empty van. And he's just getting slammed against this side, slammed against that side, tossed on the floor and things. And I thought... My God, I'm kind of surprised Sam Raimi didn't direct this movie because he sort of famously liked putting Bruce Campbell in these sort of Three Stooges type situations where he's just getting thrown around and abused. And this felt like it. And Did you notice how hard that cop threw him up against the side of the truck? Like like when the cops grabbed him, um, <laughs> whoever that actor was who grabbed him threw him up against the side of the paddy wagon really hard. I was like, dang. <laughs> so maniac cop drives back to the docks i don't know because he lives there i don't I, know I don't why know. why did he I do don't that know. i have no idea so he goes there and then there's kind of a showdown like we and we finally see his face and he's all cut up and stuff like it's not even really that bad like he's just kind of got no. scars on his face he's a menacing looking dude but as far as like gross factor it's not not that big a deal and he almost kills bruce campbell but then rando cop shoots him a couple times but then he kills rando cop and teresa's got a shotgun she shoots him a couple times he ends up back in the van in in the paddy wagon somehow and he's like he's like he's trying to escape i guess it's weird it's like but here's the thing like here's what i don't understand what was his beef with bruce campbell's character at this point, okay, so he... I guess he, he just foiled went, his plan. But then he doesn't care, right? Like, they get in there, he parks his paddy wagon, he gets an axe, he axes open the back of the paddy wagon so the Bruce Campbell could come out. It seems like he wants to kill him, but then he sort of gets foiled by the other two. Then he just jumps in the paddy wagon and he starts driving away. Bruce Campbell's character, Jack, is climbing Hanging towards him the, and yeah. clinging onto the side for dear life, and he's just sort of, like, kind of trying to knock him away. It's like he doesn't give a shit about him anymore. I don't know where he's driving to, and I don't know what his point is. Is he trying to kill the mayor? Who knows? But he's know. far away from where the mayor is. It makes no sense. He just drives off the dock. It culminates right? in an awesome stunt. and It like, looks fantastic. It looks great. He drives off the dock, and this pylon or something that's sticking out goes through the front of the, oh, of the right. paddy wagon, through the windshield, into him. And Bruce Campbell's still hanging onto the side, and they fly off, and there's this like slow mo of them flying off with this thing on it. And Bruce Campbell, I mean, it must have been a stunt man. Oh, like, yeah. Flying into the water, and the thing flies in the water, and I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, that looked great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just it, the, the truck flying off the dock into the water in slow mo looked fantastic. But the fact yeah. that there was a stunt man hanging off the side who, when it went over the dock, then like swan dived off the thing and landed like 10 feet away from it, that was cool. Like, Whoever that guy awesome. was is a badass. <laughs> I miss that shit so much because nowadays, like, you just don't believe anything you see. And I don't probably, know. I, I know. I've never seen. I've never seen a Mission Impossible movie, but apparently, if you're into that stuff, Tom Cruise is a crazy person who's doing still all his own stuff. Yeah, doing all his own crate, like I don't know, hanging off helicopters and blah, whatever. Anyway. Yeah, the Burj I mean, Khalifa they, and stuff. They yeah. still do it. I mean, that, that whole franchise is built on that, so it still happens. You just, But you you don't see it like he used to. You're no. right. No. And not in an independent film like this. You know, right, some lame-ass right, right. independent movie. So that was cool. The whole ending happens very fast, and then they, uh, they fish the truck out of the Hudson, I guess it's supposed to be. I don't know. Mm -hmm. His body's not there. And then it, you know, wide shots out and you see down by one of the pylons of the dock, the maniac cop's hand come up. Uh, So he he has survived. And let me tell you, the version that I saw had an alternate ending. So really, I didn't even read that there was a different version. I didn't either. But I'm telling you. So the hand goes up the pylon and then it dissolved back to that mayor's office again. With the scene of the mayor getting the news about the guy dying, and he's, like, sitting at his desk and whatever, and the camera pans across the room, and you see feet under the curtain, and then those feet walk out, and then you hear, 
and the mayor's killed. I don't know why they would have cut that stuff out because with that stuff, the movie would have made so much more sense. Mm-hmm. In, in the version that I saw, his motivations were entirely unclear. It just yeah, something bad happened. Something bad happened, and he got kicked off the force and put in jail. And you know, Sally says to him, "You know, you gotta stop killing these random people because our remember our main goal is to get to the commissioner and the mayor." Why? Like, that's never explained right. in the cut that I saw. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Not that these movies necessarily have to make a lot of sense, but it's frustrating. It's especially frustrating to know that at one point it may have made sense and they intentionally cut that stuff. That's weird. I don't yeah. get it. And and because it, it's and it's short. It's only an hour and 25 minutes. I don't, I don't get yeah. it. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Well, in, in any case, I don't know how I ended up with this version of the movie, but it was clear that these sequences were cut and and like restored because there was not even a great effort to restore them because they were like the audio was super loud and the the video was very off and grainy and looked washed out and, and stuff. But because I I look like I uh, on IMDb there's a, it wasn't a place there. it says if there's alternate versions and it said you know and I I don't know maybe in Europe or something they cut like five seconds. <laughs> Of when he got something violent. I don't remember when he was getting slashed up or something. They cut a tiny, tiny little bit for some releases, but I didn't see anything about weird, um, right? Scenes. Yeah, it's really strange. It was almost like there was some contractual issue and they just decided to cut this mayor guy out of the picture entirely so that he could get his money or something because it's like he never appears in the film, but in these particular scenes. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the the movie uh, didn't do well in theaters, but it did like incredibly well uh, on home video, uh, and so well enough that it spawned a feature, uh, a sequel, as you said. Bruce Campbell does reprise his role in the sequel. Um, he's top billed. He's got three minutes of screen time. He's killed off in the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Robert Davi is in it, right? Like he's like yeah. um, one of the Fratelli brothers and Goonies. He's like very recognizable yeah. dude. He's like Christy Swanson. <laughs> 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 Fair enough. We won't. Fair enough. We just won't talk about him. But no, yeah, he's in the he's in the second one and the third. Well, one. have you seen? I, I mean, obviously, I haven't seen. No, the I've never seen Look, any. The of second one and the third one are written by Larry Cohen and directed by William Lustig, just like this one. And yeah, yeah, yeah. But did you read about the third one? I did. I heard it's like bullshit. Well, they wrote a whole different story that was supposed to feature a new character, a black detective. Yeah. But I, I guess that their the Japanese market, distributor, yeah, the Japanese distributor didn't want a black protagonist. They wanted Robert Davy back, uh-huh. and they, I guess, they strong armed it so that they did get him back. But then the script didn't make any sense, so they had to cut a bunch of scenes. So the initial cut only ran like 52 minutes. Right. And the producers wanted the director to go in and film new scenes, and he said no. So he just walked. Yeah. So they brought in another director to fill it out, and apparently it's a mess. I don't know. I haven't. Apparently it's horrible. But the second one, apparently, again, according to what I read online, I haven't seen it is widely considered an improvement over the original. Hmm. It's got like some cool effects. It's got some quirky characterizations. It sort of stays true to the original, but it's like widely regarded as much more superior. So I, I'm, hmm. I'm, I might actually like, you know, if we're in the mood later on, I, I might be interested in watching the sequel and seeing if that's true because uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. You know, like, again, I was really anxious to see this movie because of its cult status and the fact that it kind of haunted me throughout, you know, my childhood and, and growing up. But I never actually sat down to watch it. You know, I, I like the action. Like I said, I thought actually it was well filmed for what it was. I mean, it just kind of a shitty movie, but had some cool like stunts in it, had some cool scenes here and there, had a few quippy lines and some people I recognized and enjoyed watching and that was enough for me. And so I usually that's enough for a film to gain cult status. But as far as like objectively saying like no, it's it's not a good movie. It's no. <laughs> I I don't I, I couldn't recommend it to anyone besides like people like you and me and maybe our listeners right uh, other than that no yeah that's i i mean i feel the same way like as uh, a completionist i'm glad to have seen it but 
I would never be compelled to see it again. And I, like you said, yeah, uh, those of you who are listening, who are into horror as much as we are, I mean, we've seen worse. It's not, it's not terrible, but it's not good either. So you're really not missing anything. But it had its, you know, kind of 80s nostalgic charm. Well, Bruce Campbell's in it. He's always fun. I mean, he doesn't have a whole lot to do, but he's young and handsome. And if you're into him, like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's kind of a fun guess who game uh, of of horror people. So, you know, that's that's kind of cool, but whatever. It's the best we can say. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Thank you, friends, for listening to this podcast. Also, thank you to our patrons for uh, selecting this for us. It truly was great to finally uh, have an excuse to sit down and review this movie. Once again, we really are grateful to our patrons for donating real money to this show and supporting us. If you are interested also in becoming a part of our community and helping us out with uh, the cost that it takes to put this out to you every week, as we have for the last, uh, what, eight, eight or nine years? Oh, my God. God, it's crazy. It's been that long. It's insane. Uh, Patreon.com slash Chainsaw Podcast. Just five bucks a month is all you need to gain access to our Patreon channel. You can get mini-sodes, an exclusive interview with us, kind of behind the scenes of this podcast. Greg puts out regular, like, little mini-reviews of things that he's seen. We have uh, robust conversations about stuff, a Discord channel, as well as access to our unedited and unedited interrupted phone calls. The best support you can give us is simply by sharing this with a friend and letting more people know so that we can gain some listenership. Find us online just by Googling Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast and uh, drop us a note in all those places and let us know what you think. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. Ah.